Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The Hot Talk Podcast is brought to you by Heinemann Services. Heinemann Services is a family-owned and operated business whose work ethic and customer service will restore your confidence in handymen. They offer interior and exterior projects for your home or business, including repairs, installations, small remodels, landscaping, decks, fencing, and much more. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336. That's 479-347-9336. Since 1984, Max's Garage, located at 1010 South Rock Street in Sheridan, Arkansas, has been your one-stop shop for all of your auto repair needs, including tune-ups, oil changes, transmission repairs, and even body work. Stop by or give them a call today at 870-942-4612. Again, that's 870-942-4612. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at betonline.ag. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag. Sign up today. BetOnline. Online, your online sportsbook experts. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network. With us on the line is the voice of the Arkansas Razorback. Chuck Barrett. A former guest of the show, Coach Mike Neighbors from the Arkansas women's basketball team. We have from ESPN's Around the Horn, Highly Questionable. Also a two-time Dan Levitard Show Suey winner and a former <laughs> heptathlete at Cornell, Sarah Spain. And we are happy to be joined by Martrell Spate. Mr. Phil Elson, the voice of Razorback Baseball and the Ladybacks. Three, two, one, yo! What is going on, Arkansas Razorback fans, SEC fans everywhere? Welcome to the one and only Hog Talk Podcast, episode number one, double deuce, the 122. Thank you guys so much for downloading, listening, being a part of what we do here. We really do appreciate that. If you guys would, if, if you haven't already, if you would, go rate and review the podcast on uh, on, on Apple. Wherever, however, you're listening to us, if you're able to, go give us go give us some of that uh, wonderful star power. It'd be excellent. Kind of not a lot of Razorback news out there. Not a ton of stuff to cover. We do have something on a former Razorback that could be interesting, especially to you Cowboys fans. We got something from Ed Ordron and his LSU Tigers, and just some other stuff here and there. Alongside me on this kick. Well, I can't say I'm, I'm not allowed to swear anymore. I'll just say on this wonderful episode of the Hog Talk, alongside me, Kyle Sutherland. How you doing, my man? We always start off with the weather. It's a trend with us, and it is just a gorgeous week so far down here in the Washita Mountains near Arkadelphia. Man, fall is here. Football is here, as Porter and I opened up talking about on Monday's pod, and I, for one, could not be happier. Yeah, we're getting there. I mean, it's here. I mean, we've had we had pro football. We've had we had upsets over the weekend. I know you guys touched on that on Monday's show. 
Uh, Arkansas State getting the dub. How about how about over Kansas State on the road? Then you had Iowa State falling to Louisiana. Like that was honestly, it was a pretty damn good weekend of, of football. I mean, it just really was. Of course, my Rams beating your Cowboys. I I, I loved every second of that. Not gonna lie. I'm sure uh, you did. Gonna rub that in just a little bit here, but man, that was actually a pretty damn good game. It was. It was a very good game. And man, you know, I I'll. I was telling you guys in the group chat, I was taking my fan hat off, and I was saying that I just don't think that you can call that offensive pass interference with what was going on at that time. 31 seconds left in the game. Michael Gallup had a chance to put them in field goal position. I thought Jalen Ramsey did a really, really good job. He's not only one of the best defensive backs in the league, he's one of the best actors, and did a really good job of acting on that. I will – I'll say – Michael Gallup did give him a little bit of a push. I'm not saying, and I told you guys that I'm not 100% in disagreement that it was that you couldn't call it a offensive pass interference. I just don't think that you call that with 31 seconds left when the game's on the line. It's it was it was a toss up, and it was definitely sold really well by Ramsey. Like that's look just like flopping in the NBA. It is a, it's a skill. It's an acquired skill. Like you've got to be able to sell it. It's a part of the game. It's on the ref if he makes or misses the call or whatever, whatever the case may be. And in that case, they bought it. And props to him. Like you said, he's a fabulous actor. He absolutely was. Would have put you guys in field goal range. And God only knows that probably could have been an overtime game. Made it even better. Um, the Rams have had a couple of of controversial endings to games in the last several years. Of course, we all remember the New Orleans Saints game. Um, a little while back in the in the playoffs, of course, we still we still hear that from Saints fans. Drives me absolutely crazy. Of course, that was a much bigger game on a bigger stage. I get it, but uh, that one that one was kind of there. There was contact, like you said. I don't know that you call that, and, I, and I'm with you. I don't know that you call that with with that little amount of time left to go in the fourth quarter to end the game like that, or, or to finish it out on a note like that. But it. It was a good game. We got something out of it. I was really impressed. Honestly, that was a game fought and won in the trenches. Physical football. Brown, who was a backup to Gurley for the last several years, looked like a freaking all-pro running back. He looked like an all-star. Uh, it, it, look, he's an average back. He's a three-and-a-half, four-yards-per-carry kind of back. With that offensive line that night, he averaged, I think, just under five yards a carry. Uh, you know, it was it was it was a well fought physical game. I thought both quarterbacks looked pretty good. Dak Prescott did exactly what I thought he would do for the most part. The Rams front seven, and of course Aaron Donald absolutely dominated on the defensive side of things. But uh, it was a good game. That was a good game. Honestly, I was just so happy to have it, even with all the fake noise and the and the cutout fans in the stands. Or, or you know, it, it's so weird. It, we you we haven't talked about that since baseball since they started doing these cutouts and they put these fake you know crowd noises into the speakers. Is that weird to you? Like, is that something like that's kind of hard for you to get over, or do you just does it? Do you just ignore it all and you're just focused on the game? I like it. Everything that they've been doing so far. I know that they're not putting those cutouts all across the. the entire stadium but it does make it look not not really that part look realistic but i don't know about you ty for me i can't even really tell that they're unless they show it 
I can't even hardly tell if there's not fans in the stands. It all still sounds the same to me. It does. It's and it's pretty crazy because you get so focused in on the game. I, I was that way with the Rams game. By the way, that stadium. Oh my God, that stadium is gorgeous. Holy crap! I hate that the Rams have to share that with the Chargers, but that thing is gorgeous. Uh, but yeah, I was. Well, there's not going to be any Chargers fans in there anyway, so it's going to be all. <laughs> oh oh snap! To, to our that's for that's for you, John Haas Jr. I was going to say to our one or two. Uh, Charger fans out there listening to the show. Yeah, once I got focused into the show and, and, you know, they'll show the cutouts. They'll kind of zoom over to the cutouts and they'll go back to the game for a little bit. And I'm like, okay. I mean, it still kind of looks a little cheesy. I know the Razorbacks are going to do it, but I get why they're doing it. It's, it's, you're getting a little bit of income there. You're kind of supplementing on a very, very tiny scale. You're kind of supplementing that ticket income that you're losing, the revenue from, from, uh, ticket sales. But I mean, let's be honest. It's not, really much at all um i think the razorbacks those went on sale last week for like i think it's like 50 bucks and you get you just get placed in the stadium and then i think a hundred dollars gets you to the front row or whatever but yeah once you get zoned into the game and you hear the sounds you kind of forget like you think you're watching you think it's like any other game pre-2020 so uh shout out to the discord we had questions or we asked them for questions I think we're just going to skip them tonight. Um, not that they're bad questions. We're just going to skip them. We, we're going to try and rock through this podcast. Uh, Porter will be up here in a little bit. He's going to get us caught up on some women's sports, some scores and stuff to keep an eye on. So we'll we'll uh, have that either. Uh, it'll either be probably at the beginning of this podcast or maybe at the end. I'm not entirely sure how he's going to cut that up, but we'll uh, we'll make it all work. First thing on the uh, on the docket. Texas A&M wide receiver and captain, or one of their captains, Jamon Osmond, standout player, by the way, for the Aggies, one of uh, one of Mon's favorite targets, announces he's going to opt out for the 2020 season uh, to prepare for the NFL draft. That's a pretty big blow. I think LSU, last I saw, they've got four players they're going to they're gonna set the year out. We, we've already seen what's happened at Georgia with their quarterback situation. Guys opting out. Uh, we know. I, I don't know how many more we're going to see between now and and the first week of SEC football. But I, Kyle, I have a feeling we're going to have some more on the way. What What do you? What's your takeaway from this? From From uh, Osmond stepping out or stepping away for for the for his final year at A and I'm with you. I don't think that it's going to to be just now stopping it with him. It's going to keep on happening, and I don't even necessarily think that every single one of those cases is going to be because of somebody is worried about COVID or whatever the case may be there. They can use this as a crutch at this point. How many times in the last really, well, I mean, you could say recent seasons, but how many times throughout college football history have players gotten disgruntled? We saw it with the Razorbacks last year, Devin Bush entered the transfer portal and then ended up coming back. We had a lot of players transfer, a lot of players decommit. Now, now, this doesn't really have to do with commits or anything, but if a player ha- gets upset with one of the coaches, all they got to do if they want to transfer is say they're worried about COVID and they sit out. Yeah. So I would not be shocked if that is used as a crutch. It's very true. Very true. It's a good point. It's uh, I-, I don't know, man. This year's just been so ridiculous, and and everything just seems to follow in suit. Like I I I don't know what to expect. I'm really surprised. The only Razorback so far, unless I'm. You know, I know school started and everything's just hectic, and I'm sure I've missed out on a lot of news. But I'm, as far as I know, the only player to opt out was Shamar Nash for the Hogs. 
I believe it him and another walk on. I can't remember who it was. But before I wanted to go back on what I was saying though, and, and uh, at least add to that that I'm not saying that this particular player is using COVID as a crutch. I'm just I know you know that I'm speaking just hypothetically here, but I just want to make sure that I'm not singling him out and nobody misunderstands me. Right, right. Well, next up, probably honestly the biggest news of the week. Big Ten football, Kyle, it's coming back the weekend of October 24th. Who didn't Who didn't see this coming? I mean, really, who didn't see this coming? Of course they're going to come back. They're loony. We've got, of course, you know, uh, Donald Trump was on the phone. I don't know the extent of how much he had to do with bringing back the Big Ten. We don't get political here, but... Uh, it seems like he played some role in that. I'm not really entirely sure how much. But regardless, I'm happy that the Big Ten's back into the fold. I hope the pack returns. Like I said on Monday's live show on the PTN over on YouTube, I'd really like the pack to come back so I could get football at like 1130 at night. Nothing like a little, uh, nothing like some West Coast football in the middle of the night when the SEC's wrapped up and we're getting caught up on their scores and stats and everything that happened throughout the day. And it's nice to be able to have that up on one screen and then on another, on a tablet or a TV, or on a television, watching some some Stanford action, USC, you know, UCLA. I know we're SEC guys, we're Razorback fans. We're supposed to stick our nose up to to any other football, but I'm not that way. I'm going to watch it if it's on television. I like Pac-12 football because it's at night. Uh, this is a big deal though because they they look, they were supposed to come together on Monday. The uh, Big 10 their presidents and what have you, everyone affiliated with the conference, they were supposed to get together on Monday and vote. Well, I say they were supposed to. That was actually the earliest date that they could come together and vote. They didn't vote. Drew a lot of backlash. People were pissed. A lot of a lot of upset fans from Big Ten schools were, were mad. And, of course, we knew this was going to happen this week. They all saw it. We, there was a leak on Twitter that it was going to happen. So it wasn't a huge shock. But Big Ten football back October 24th. That's, you know, Kyle, I, I, I'm all for it. I know there's some fans who could really give a darn, but I, I'm all for it. I don't know about you, but hey. more. Football. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely all for it, but I'm not so sure it's going to happen. Uh, that's just the fact that we're still, we're what, five weeks away? And that's you true. look at the rules, if one of them tests, if a guy tests positive, so it's going to be an eight-game season. If you test positive, you're out three games. You're 21 days. So you're out three games. You're essentially out half of the season. Wow. wow. And I, and I think that, that that's going to happen with quite a few players. As we've seen, it's been – and we've talked about that, how well that universities have done at keeping the cases down or some at zero. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is, is there still is and is going to continue to be cases, and that's going to happen in the Big Ten as well. And so you're going to lose probably quite a few players. And then if, if more than – if 5% or more ends up getting it, then you're going to have to you're going to have to pause practice and competition for at least a week. Yeah. So I, I I'm not sure that it's going to happen, or mm. if it does, I'm not so sure how long it'll last. I think this is really just, and this goes without saying that Kevin Warren panicked uh, like the coward that he is. Uh, just the way that he handled this thing was just absolutely. I've, I've gone off about it quite a few times. Um, he he just basically was trying to show up late to the party, and that's what he did, and but I'm not so sure that he's going to get in the door. 
Yeah, it's you know you've got there's as far as I can tell they're still going to do the playoffs. They're still going to have the playoffs, assuming we don't have another giant spike and they just cancel college football altogether. And I have a hard time seeing the SEC do that or the ACC or the Big Twelve. But uh, it it begs the question. You've got the Big Twelve, who by the way went zero for three against the Sun Belt. I'm sorry if you're an Oklahoma fan. I know we've got at least one listening to this podcast, a friend of mine. Your conference sucks. I just want you to know that your conference is terrible. You went zero and three to the Sun Belt. I know I'm a Hog fan. We shouldn't be talking, but I'm talking about your conference. At least we play in a Titan conference where we go zero and ten this year. It's understandable. Yeah, we've lost some embarrassing games, but I'm sorry, the Big 12, every year, this is almost like, ex- I don't want to say accepted, because I know it's not, their fans are diehards, OU fans are diehards, Oklahoma State, I know a few, you can't accept what happened that week, and that was ridiculous, 0-3 to the Sun Belt, but anyways, they're going to play their schedule out, Arkansas and the SEC, they're going to play their 10 games, ACC's playing theirs, and the Big Ten's going to come in at the last second, play 8 games, are they going to have... A, a seat at the table come playoffs, and you've got the Big 12, the point I was trying to make, the Big 12 getting their butts kicked to, to non-P5s across their conference. What on earth is that playoff going to look like? That's what I'm curious about. Like, How is postseason football, what does it look like? And there's so many questions that we don't have answers to just yet. Uh, if you want my opinion... I don't know that the Big 12 deserves a seat, and I don't know that the Big Ten or Big Ten deserves a seat when you're only going to play eight games. And I get that the SEC is only playing two more, but dude, that is ten SEC in conference games only, right? They're not playing. There's no. There is no cupcake on the schedule unless you happen to be, you know, playing Arkansas uh, or Vanderbilt or you know maybe one of the lesser schools. But still, like you look at Arkansas schedule. Good God. I mean, it's the hardest schedule in college football history. Alabama, yeah, not a not a super duper hard schedule for them, but for anybody else, that would still be a really tough schedule. So I, you know, you, <laughs> I don't know how this postseason is going to look like, man. It's it's going to be bizarre. I think there's even a possibility of having two SEC schools. Um, and I, you know, I'm going to get to my predictions next week. I have an interesting take on how how the SEC pans out this year. I'm probably going to trigger a few fans especially hog fans with it next week i'm kind of excited to talk about it next week that's going to be a big one but it's going to be interesting to see how this all unfolds come playoff time come postseason time because the big 10 is going to play eight games what ohio state goes eight no eight no they play eight games and they're going to deserve a seat at the table no way man no way sorry um yeah i guess it is what it is Obviously, we're going to keep track of it here on the HTP. We're going to try to keep it, keep you guys up to date on on how that all is supposed to unfold. Again, I think, and again, I could be wrong, Kyle. The plan is to have a college football playoff. Like that's still in the picture. Yes. So college football playoff is still there, but every other postseason. So you know there is some FCS teams playing. I believe I had said a week or two ago that there's 15 of the 127. Uh, that are playing yeah. this year, but they will not have a postseason. Uh, the FCS postseasons have been canceled, and then Division One and Division Two, all of it, every everything across the board. So, yeah. the only thing that will be happening postseason football wise is the college football playoff. Wow, <laughs> what a crazy year, man! What a crazy year! It kind of makes you wonder, like, what things would look like had they decided to postpone to spring. I'm glad they didn't. 
Uh, I think, you know, you and I, no, I know we did. You and I had covered that a little bit. I'm glad they didn't go to spring football. I saw the the Braum game plan, kind of looked at it. At first, I was like, all right, it's appealing. But then when you take another look and you take a step back and it's like, wait, no. We need to either play this year or don't and then just get ready for 2021. Um, Also, the NCAA has now extended the dead period for all college athletics until January first of next year um that's a big one that's unfortunate i am I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you i don't i don't know why they did that uh we're just we're what we're in the middle of september and you just you blast right on through winter like you are blast right on through november and december and you're just like you throw your hands up like nope nope we're just gonna extend dead period until january 1st I think it's asinine, and it's. I'm going to tell you guys right now, and I've mentioned it before, uh, Kyle. You know how I feel about this. This is a huge disadvantage for someone like Sam Pittman. Yeah, he's 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 done pretty good with this class. They're unanimous. I'm pretty sure they're unanimous top 25 right now. But think about this right now. They're they're what 75 percent complete on their on their 2021 uh, recruiting, right? Like they they've got to think like just a handful of spots left. Okay, and they're 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 kind of hanging on. I think two four seven in the top twenty five. Give it till give it till either early signing period, assuming we have one, or until we get into the to the to the getting closer to to the final signing period, quote unquote, in February. Is Arkansas still going to be a top twenty five program in terms of recruiting rankings? And I'm going to tell you if this thing, if this dead period doesn't, I mean, there's nothing you could do. January first is it. Like that gives him no time, you know. It gives you just a few weeks or two, three weeks till uh, you know. Of course, then there's another dead period actually leading right up to signing day, so it leaves him with no time to go into the homes of these players. That's where Sam Pittman is at his best when he's. I'm sorry, he's not a FaceTime guy. He's someone who needs you. You need to be by him in the room to get like to get the aura to fill the 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 big warm cuddly bear that is Sam Pittman in the room. I mean, the guy Porter and I walked right up to him at a women's game, and the guy just—he just seems like one of the guys. He's a nice dude. And I know you could say that about a lot of people, but I've been around some coaches in my day, just walking by them, talking to them, seeing them here and there, and I, nothing. His presence was warm, man. He just—you just felt like you were kind of friends with him already. That's his strength, being in the living rooms with these players, with these prospects, their families. So I think that's a big disadvantage for him. I don't think that Arkansas finishes in the top. I don't think they finish in the top 30. I could be wrong. Look, I was wrong last year. I said they wouldn't pull together a top 30 class, and they did. I could be wrong. Um, what are your thoughts on that, Kyle, on that, on that uh, dead period extension? Yeah, I, I think you said just about all that I was thinking pretty much. I just kind of reiterate, he's done a really good job. The staff has done a really good job getting some great talent that I think some of those guys will end up being four stars, maybe two or three of them will end up getting their fourth star. But yeah, that's what he's, he's known for going and, and talking about how much he loves what, what the recruits mom's cooking for dinner and sitting there on the couch and telling stories or whatever. Um, yeah. He's, he's a guy that's face to face this whole, not that he can't make moves over zoom or over the phone or even maybe, maybe over an email here and there, whatever it may be. Um, it, he is a face-to-face kind of guy, and but it's it, another thing too that's just really tough for you know guys like him, Elijah Drinkwitz. These guys, I know Elijah Drinkwitz has got one year in the Sun Belt under uh, that's 
he's had uh, for coaching experience. But a lot of these guys that are first-year head coaches or pretty new head coaches two or three years down the road, it's just this, this is something that uh, they're going to end up learning a lot from, but it's really tough to adapt. It is, and you know, I haven't even thought about that. Like, what about the, what about the, what about further down the road? Like, how does this affect these programs down the road? You know, Mizzou, Arkansas, especially these new coaches like Drinkwitz and and uh, and Sam Pittman. Uh, how does it affect them? You know, and and their relationships with these twenty twenty one guys, twenty twenty two guys, twenty twenty three guys. You know, and I'm sure they'll overcome it. I'm sure once they're once the dead period is gone and they're able to, or at least this extension of the dead period, anyways. Uh, once it's lifted up and, and they're able to, to get back to work, things might go back and swing back into their favor. But, yeah, and there's also the chance, too, that the guys that are committed now, I mean, my gosh, you've got some talent. There's no doubt this class has got some damn good talent. I'm not going to deny that at all. There's also the opportunity here for them to get some star power, to get some, you know, get, get you know, there's another, there's at least one or two more waves of of recruiting updates of these guys getting their extra star so there's plenty of time there if you're concerned about rank and star power there's always that opportunity that these guys get their fourth fourth i'm not gonna say fifth star because it's it's really rare that arkansas lands a fifth star but you never know aj green y'all i'm telling you that kid go watch his film out of tulsa holy cow that dude he is fast man that kid is legit uh college basketball this was good. To, this was really good to read today. College basketball will begin on November 25th. It's actually pushing the original date by just 15 days. Uh, this is obviously subject to change, but that's a really cool deal. So we're going to have, it looks like, still a November launch for basketball this year. I was surprised that they didn't push this thing back to, to either December, right before the kids you know leave for Christmas break. Or into the into 2021. I, I really thought this thing, and it still could. That is still an absolute possibility. This is what I was reading this today, and I thought you'd get a kick out of this. Um, I shouldn't say kick because it involves players contracting COVID-19, but uh, according to LSU head football coach Ed Orgeron, quote-unquote, most of his players have COVID-19. Also, he says, <laughs> uh, hopes they don't catch it again. <laughs> I mean, yeah, of course. I could just hear him. I hope they hope they don't mess around. I, I hope they don't catch it again. I that's pretty good. I uh, you like that? It kind of sounds. Oh, no, that's actually pretty good. That's not horrible. Sling blade. I've been told it sounds like sounds like sling blade. Yeah, taters. Um, this is obviously affecting them. I'm not going to talk about the Arkansas situation in COVID. I don't want to get. You know, we're not going to go down that tunnel. We know that there's a possibility that Arkansas does have COVID, that there are some players, but we're, you know, we're not going to go in. That's really about all that we know, anyways. Uh, but COVID has hit and it's already affecting LSU. And you think about the time that these guys have lost, the short amount of time that they've had fall camp, uh, no spring camp. We know that. So you put that in Arkansas' shoes. Again, let's, let's, Here's Ed Orgeron saying most of his players have COVID-19. I don't think that's the case at Arkansas, but if that were the case, you talk about a major, major setback because that's two weeks where you set out a fall camp. Um, I guess it just goes without saying that that COVID 
even if you catch it like early on, and he says here, hopes they don't catch it again, you can't make up that time that they lost. You're talking 14 days you're supposed to quarantine. So that's that's a lot of time that you're missing in this short amount of time that you've had in fall camp, you know, to get everything packed in. You think about it. again, you go back to the disadvantages that Drinkowitz, Sam Pittman, all these new coaches installing new systems across the conference or across college football. This is a huge disadvantage when you get COVID. And then the other thing is. You know, they're not going to – you don't know the exact number. None of the fans, none of the media, nobody knows. So we have no idea what Arkansas is going to look like, what the finished product is going to look like come uh, come week one against Georgia, Kyle. Um, yeah. I, I It's – it's fingers crossed that, that it doesn't get so out of hand that eventually the NCAA and the SEC lock arms and say, nope, you know what, we're shutting it down. Very last thing that we have um, – I'm going to have to hand this one over to you, man. Uh, rumors circulating that that former Razorback star tight end Cheyenne O'Grady could end up on a Cowboys roster. What is this all about? Yeah, that's what uh, that's what some people are saying. Uh, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. Obviously, Blake Jarwin, who was expected to have a really big season, went down against the Rams as we, the game we were talking about earlier. Yeah, um, yeah, towards ACL, really unfortunate, but. I mean, I understand signing a tight end, but I'm pretty sure Charles Clay's out there who has like a nine, ten-year career, Arkansas native, uh, went to Little Rock Central, played for Gus Malzahn when when Gus was the OC at Tulsa and ended up getting drafted, I think, by the Bills like about ten years ago. But you got guys like him. You've got guys that have had experience. C.J. O'Grady, look, man, you know, like I'm all about – like I'm not saying that an NFL team shouldn't give him a chance, uh, but my thing about it is – he is he was one of the the most talented if not as far as talent goes if not the most talented tight end in this past NFL draft and he, he's hardly even gotten any consideration now we don't know the full story we you and I I know have heard different things that mm-hmm. haven't been put out there in the media but we also know that he has a lot of stories that he just wasn't being the smartest that he could be and even since the worst thing at least in terms of like legal matters happened to his freshman year right two days into him being on campus when he got a public intox or dwi whatever it was if that's really the worst thing from a legal standpoint and he has this much problem with authority that no nfl team has taken a chance on him that's alarming to me and i don't think that the cowboys in this position that they're in and yes this is part of me speaking from a fan perspective but i don't see i don't understand why uh you go sign cj o'grady when he's never been on an nfl roster He's never – like, not even has he just not taken a snap in an NFL game, never dressed out for one. Um, again, I, I hope the kid gets a chance. I'm not saying that I want him to never get an NFL opportunity. I think that he does deserve that if a team is willing to do it. But I, I don't understand this from the Cowboys' perspective if it is going to happen. We don't even know that it's been confirmed, but there is rumblings out there. Well, he did say on Twitter uh, opportunities – and he's by the way, he's locked his Twitter up. It's private – um, I think he made – I don't know if that's from when he tweeted out about being a Trump supporter. I think he caught a lot of harassment for that, so he locked up his, his Twitter account. Um, but he said on there, someone captured it, and I had it sent to me a little while ago, opportunities are presented to us all on a day-to-day basis, some some small, some big. Today I received one of those big opportunities from the Dallas Cowboys 
Side oh, note. So it is confirmed. Side note, my birthday is in five days. This is incredible. This is an incredible early birthday present. God is real. Hashtag Black Lives Matter. Um, yeah, I, again, I don't know. That isn't, you know, maybe he went and he worked out for him. I don't know. Again, I, there's nothing confirmed, like you said, officially. Just him tweeting. Well, and, and we also had to, I, I thought we were going to be able to go the whole show and have to uh, say when we were recording, but we are recording on a Wednesday night, very, so he might be signed. <laughs> By the time that this drops, <laughs> that has never happened here, has it? Not one time have yeah. we run into right, that problem. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, uh, good for him if that's the case. I mean, you know, I I was a big fan of his. Obviously, he's a former purple dog, and I'm a little biased towards the former purple dogs. But you know, who isn't somewhat biased to their hometown and where they played sports and went to school and everything? But I was rooting for him, and and. I, I, I'm with you. He's NFL talent. Uh, I, was, I wasn't completely shocked that he went undrafted because walking out on your team, man, that's a big deal. Even if you have disagreements with the head coach or whatever, you know that's not a good look to these pro scouts and to these, to these you know, the, the, the front offices of these, of these teams. They're not interested in guys that are going to walk out no matter how you feel about the coaching staff or whatever whatever the case may be you got to try to stick it out one way or another apparently i think that's i think ultimately that in his i think his freshman mistakes are looked at as just that freshman mistakes i think that's probably but i you combine the two it all adds up to someone who's still a free agent despite how talented he is so well, and that was well. Just adding on what I was saying about how he didn't get an NFL opportunity. I mean, let's just be honest. The NFL, it, it, as long as you don't get caught, if they, there's plenty of people that like are not good. I'm not. I'm not saying CJ O'Grady's not a good human being, but but there's plenty of people like Joe Mixon, for instance. He punched a girl and, and broke her jaw and broke her places. face. Sure He's did. in the NFL, and just you know, there's plenty. There's plenty of other things like that. But the, but the thing about it is, is like, and I'm not comparing C.J. O'Grady to that, but what I'm getting at is I just think that there's a lot of things that we don't know about him, like as far as maybe being a cancer to a locker room or something like that. Very true. It had to yeah. be something that was very and, – and so, like, you know, I, again, I think C.J.'s probably good. Like, it seems like his teammates liked him. It seems like there was a lot of good traits about him. Uh, but at the end of the day – it's very clear that he had a problem with authority, and I think it might have been a little bit more severe than we realized. Well, and you remember uh, years back when Ryan Mallett, right, he was going through the ringer. He was he was talking to these um, GMs and coaches, and, and the topic came up about, I think it was the when Snoop Dogg came to Fayetteville and Ryan Mallett had, I don't know that it was ever confirmed that he admitted that he was smoking pot or whatever with Snoop Dogg, but I, it was reported that he was asked about his drug use and that he was kind of upfront about it and that that turned turned teams off. We also have to remember that was god almost 10 years ago. We I mean, I it feels like now coach or, or front office members and GMs and scouts would probably kind of overlook some of that stuff as long as you're not out getting caught, you're not a you know, you're not out doing hard drugs and stuff like that. It, it feels like that's and maybe I'm wrong, I don't know, but I it it has a similar feeling to that where Mallet could have gone he could have gotten drafted a lot higher. I know he didn't turn out well, so great in the NFL. Talent. Or no top ten talent. I mean for especially his arm and what he did in college. Yeah, I think that had he would have just had like a perfect head on his shoulders, at least from an outside perspective. 
then he would have probably been with and, and definitely first round. And, I think he definitely was top ten talent. And, and they were right. I mean, honestly, those guys were right. And nothing against Ryan. Dude, he's, in my opinion, still the most talented quarterback Arkansas has ever had on campus. Okay, that's to me, that's not even a hot take. I know Tyler Wilson did great, but I always kind of saw Tyler Wilson as a system guy. Ryan Mallett had the arm strength of NFL quarterbacks when he was his first year on campus at Arkansas. I mean, he and of course he had to redshirt that year; he had to set out. But he had the strongest arm. I can remember reading stories about him in high school. It was just unbelievable. And he, you know, he read defenses pretty well outside of the Alabama game, where the defensive end goes out in zone coverage and he throws a pick to end the game. To the, I get it; he made mistakes, but the most talented quarterback, in my opinion, to ever play at Arkansas. I know Joe Ferguson. The old schoolers are like, hold on, hold on. Quinn Grovey was pretty damn good. Ferguson was good. So-and-so, this guy, I, I get that. You know, Clint Sterner had his moments. But I always felt like Ryan Mallett is the most just pure talent, raw talent-wise, was the most talented. Would have gotten drafted higher had he not had that situation come up about the pot, about the drug use. Had, like you said, had he had the perfect head on his shoulders, but we all make mistakes. But again, those guys ended up being right because what did he do when he when he didn't get what he wanted with the Texans? He completely, yeah, right. He slept in on the on the flight down to Miami. Right. Uh huh. He got beat out. He was upset about it, and he he didn't get on the plane. You watch. We're gonna have him as a guest one of these days, and I'm gonna. Someone's gonna say you need to bring that up. You need to ask Ryan about what happened with his missed flight to Miami. I think it was Miami, but it was somewhere, somewhere I think southeast. But so they ended up being right about Ryan. I hope I don't. I don't know that they're right about O'Grady. But if that is the case, if there's something else off the field going on with O'Grady, I'm like everyone else. I'm still surprised he's not signed somewhere. I am. I'm surprised. I'm I'm surprised, but I'm not surprised because of some of the stuff that happened when he was at the University of Arkansas. So, is there anything else that we want to touch on, or what do you think, Kyle? I think that's that's it, man. It's, uh, I guess, the last pod before game week. Oh, man. Last one. It's here. <laughs> so, I mean, as, as Porter and I talked about at the end of Mondays, uh, we made it. You know, we've been doing this since uh, – I mean, it's, it, we've come – it's crazy how much we've been able to do from the time that uh, – we. I keep going back to this episode where I was literally about to leave San Antonio. Everything's packed up. I've literally got nothing but my computer and my microphone out. Hmm. And we're wondering after that episode, we're like, what are we going to do for two or three weeks? Oh yeah, and uh, yeah, two or three weeks turned out to be a little bit longer, almost, yeah. just half a year almost. It's crazy. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. Back in you know June, July, I wasn't so sure we would get to this point. I really didn't. I, I thought they would just either cancel football altogether this fall, all sports, all sports, not just football push them back to either spring or something and i'm thinking i don't know how how we're going to be able to produce content i don't know how we're going to do that throughout all fall and winter of this year but you know what we've still been forced with some crazy adversity as content creators i know COVID is far more serious and people have been affected in all sorts of different ways not to say that our situation is worse than anybody else's but as content creators who cover the hogs this has been <laughs> at least an interesting off season to say the least but we've had to scrape the barrel from time to time to really get you guys content but we do the best that we can uh kyle and porter are all over it of course cabo you know all, we're, we're trying to do everything we can to scrape together and put you put out some content for you guys so we hope you enjoyed the show remember to rate and review the podcast we'd really appreciate it 
it, it really does go a long ways when you guys do that stuff. So, all right, next up, Porter's going to get us caught up on all things women's sports. You guys stick around. Woo pig suing. Welcome back to the Hog Talk Podcast. This is Porter Hayes, and I am proud to present to you a brand new segment to the show, the weekly women's sports report, where each week I'm going to give you scores, updates, and upcoming events on all things going on with the world of women's sports at the University of Arkansas. We start with the cross-country team winning the past seven SEC titles. The cross-country team is prime and ready to make it eight in a row as they head to Baton Rouge this weekend to kick off their season. The golf team starts their season October 5th through the 7th at the Blessings. Now, there's no fans permitted at this event, but you can watch this live on the Golf Channel. The soccer team announced their fall slate, an eight-game fall schedule, with LSU coming to Fayetteville this Saturday at 3 p.m. Coach Colby Hale and the Ladybacks earned the number one ranking in the SEC preseason poll. They finished last season with a 17-4-2 record and only one SEC loss last year, and they earned a second-round trip to the NCAA tournament. With the volleyball team, they announced the start of their season, which is a limited four-weekend schedule of play, eight games total SEC schedule. Coach Jason Watson's coming off an 11-19 record and looks to improve with the limited schedule this season. Again, that is the weekly women's sports report where we hope to try to dedicate a whole segment to what's going on. Catch you up with all the things that's going on in the world of women's sports. We hope you like it. And it is presented to you by 1010 Sports Performance Training. 1010 Training is changing the way athletes train their skills and body. Located in Harrison, Arkansas, the 25,000 square foot 1010 training facility has produced over 20 collegiate athletes through their basketball, baseball, football, and performance enhancement programs in their first year of operating. Every trainer at 1010 is a former collegiate athlete in their sport, giving knowledge that only experience can teach. What separates them is the sports science embedded into each workout session that ensures athletes that are getting bigger, stronger, and faster while simultaneously increasing their confidence and abilities. Give Coach Keaton Tennyson a phone call at 870-416-5798 to schedule your free first session and begin turning your athletes' dreams into reality. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.